Blog Talk Radio. Actually, August the 13th. You know, I lost track. It's incredible how quickly the time is uh, going by. Now, we're going to be having a, a pre-recorded. This is actually going to be a pre-recorded segment. So if you're looking to pick up the phones and call in, don't because, well, we're not here to answer them. But we're going to be talking with Lara Nichols, who is from ISM or is actually overseeing the ISM mastery model. And she should be joining us any minute. Uh, in the meantime, uh, I want to remind everybody that uh, we do record this. Again, it is pre-recorded, which means you'll be listening to it on an on-demand basis, which uh, is great for your convenience and uh, certainly gives you the option to share it uh, far and wide because I know it is going to be an interesting discussion. Anyway, without further delay, Lara Nichols is on the line. Lara, how are you? I am well, John. How are you today? I am doing just fine, thank you. Now, as I was just announcing in the very beginning, uh, what we're doing here is a pre-recorded session, so if the listeners had the urge to call in, they, they, they wouldn't do it. But, but I'm glad you're joining us, because uh, I, I am in, very interested in this mastery model. But before we get to that, maybe if you could give us a little bit of your background. John, sure. Uh, I have been in business for 25 years, and I have been working in supply management for more than half of that. My background is in financial services and in industrial manufacturing and in pharmaceuticals. So it's a little comprehensive. Um, I have done everything from supply management, including logistics and distribution, but a lot of my specialty is in services areas where uh, indirect is a is a large part of uh, the, the spend base, but also um, there's a degree of complexity associated with the fragmentation that exists just by the way companies grow. Well, you know, I got I got to ask this because you know, in, and I've been around about the same length of time, which means we both probably started when we were 11 or 12 in the business, right? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Oh, uh, there you go. Go work with me here. Now, you know, one of the interesting things you mentioned, you have a finance background. Now, I remember when you know when I used to go on the speaking circuit, and uh, certainly talk with associations and and give seminars. One of the things that I found interesting ten, fifteen years ago was the apparent migration of people from finance into the procurement world. And I mean, were you part of that migration back then? Like, what drew you from a finance background to get into procurement? You know, I saw that same trend and pattern. I continue to see it today in the way that students study um, both finance and supply management and procurement. Uh, what drew me is the ability to be far more creative and be able to work um, in, a, in a fairly complex and multidimensional environment where you have reliance on third parties and if you're going to succeed it's going to be largely because of their contributions how you sculpt those and create something that works to meet your business objectives was very appealing to me and it has turned out that that is a major part of how i spend my time 
So now, in essay, and you know, it's kind of interesting because you mentioned that migration that you noticed or that trend back then is continuing to this day. I mean, is it safe to say that the functional silos and the lines have become even more blurred? I mean, for example, from procurement going the other way, I'm not saying becoming finance or CFO or anything along that lines, but, but certainly the understanding of procurement from a much broader holistic view of the enterprise. Do you see that happening as well? Very much so. I think that the contributions of procurement organizations and supply management expertise is highly valued and becoming even more so among the other functional areas that support companies. Uh, what I mean by that is it's a fairly complementary skill set to, to other key operationally minded functions. Finance, for example, um, used to be, uh, from my experience, fairly focused on the books of the business. Now they're beginning to understand that there are contributions to the, um, the, 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 the books that help us to be more um, powerful, to have higher margins, to be able to be more effective in how we um, spend our money. Um, not to mention how we apply uh, the, the new revenue as it comes in. And it's going to be um, largely reliant on the contributions of procurement, of supply management, of the third parties who help us to manage those pieces. And I think that that is awareness that has evolved over the past decade um, and continues to this day. So, yeah, you see, that's kind of an interesting interesting evolution. Now, and I, and I asked this question because it, it, it sort of segues into this mastery model. Uh, at least I, I think there is some tie into there because his, these, these new requirements, these new understandings are needed. I mean, the curriculum, I, I don't know if you'd call it that, but, but I would, the curriculum uh, uh, that offered through associations, the educational formats, they also have to change and adapt, don't they? Completely, yes. Um, and in fact, I think that the mastery model is uniquely set up to be able to provide the core as well as help us to be able to grow, to, to add almost like Legos, new competencies as we begin to contribute those um, in conjunction with these other key operations for the company. I'll give oh, you an example. Uh, sorry, sorry to interrupt. Sorry, sorry to interrupt. But can I just ask a question? Because you use that Lego aspect of it and the, the building block concept in relation to that. But are the skill sets that have been acquired in the past are they are they are they indeed a foundational uh, or, or a foundation upon which these new skills can be added? Because I'm citing Robert Hanfield, Dr. Hanfield, who said that there's a clear and definitive break or chasm between the procurement professional of the, the past and the new emerging procurement professional. And unlike any other time, all the things that had been learned previously are no longer going to be relevant or important or applicable going forward. So he was talking about a very definite and definitive break. I mean, how does that fit in with your, 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 your reference to a Lego block? Well, in my experience, I believe there is a set of things I, to use another analogy, John, um, the food, water, and shelter aspects of Maslow's hierarchy, I believe that the core competencies of a procurement professional or a supply management professional um, are the, quote, admission ticket to success for companies. There are things that we do that are unique contributions that are not going to be 
provided by any other operation of the company. Um, contract awareness, being able to do allocation of risk, understanding the financial implications of multi-year agreements, figuring out how to cap what your uh, exposure is, knowing how to negotiate in a way that is productive and um, allows for a win-win type scenario over a period of time, figuring out which suppliers are going to be key to your success and applying that um, to a, a, a multi-year agreement that allows those suppliers to contribute in the maximum possible way for your success. These are things that end users of those supplier services or products are not going to think about. And so I believe that those are core skills that have to be carried forward and preserved. We are certainly becoming more sophisticated in how we approach those things and what those contributions look like on a broader scale as folks like the chief finance officer or the chief technology officer begin to rely more and more on the contributions of the procurement function or the supply management function, but I don't see them going away. So in essence, there are certain core elements that are, 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 are I guess, you, unique and ubiquitous professionals that are timeless that are, are going to remain. There may be different aspects of it that will be, I don't know if the right term is cast aside, but certainly uh, updated. Would that be a better way of putting it? And, and in essence, that's what the, the mastery model is really focused upon. It's progressing to that next level. It's more of an evolution as opposed to a, a change in direction. From my point of view and the experience that I've had in using the mastery model, absolutely. For example, one of the key um, uh, competencies in the mastery model is business acumen. And business acumen is going to be required no matter what level you are in our profession, how long you have been working. If you're going to interface with other um, groups within your company or if you're going to interface with other functions, then you have to be able to um, prepare your uh, contributions in a way that makes sense to others. Um, if you're simply talking to procurement folks or supply management folks, then being able to talk within your craft makes perfect sense. But if you're going to walk out of that environment and go work with a business sponsor, or perhaps you're going to work with a financial analyst out of the, the finance organization, or perhaps you're going to work with a technologist who, who spends a tremendous amount of money with third parties, if you don't have the business acumen to translate your goals and objectives in a way that makes sense to them, you're not going to be as successful with um, what you're trying to accomplish. So, no, I don't believe they're going to go away. I believe they're going to continue to be refined, and I believe as I look at talent and I, and I grow my organization that I will be looking for those core competencies regardless. So then, and maybe this would be a good idea to do this at this time, maybe if you could explain to our listeners what the mastery model is, in essence what it entails, because we're referring to this, and it's probably a good idea if they get an idea as to some point of context as to why it was created, what exactly it involves. I'd love to. The mastery model was created to set a universal standard for what professional excellence looks like in the supply chain management programs in today's companies. Based on 100 years of experience that ISM has in supporting our industry, uh, it's based also on the focus on education and certifying the practitioners, helping them grow in their profession as well as in their career. 
Um, it also um, is based upon an understanding of the changing and evolving needs of our industry as our companies depend on us to contribute in different ways. The model itself was developed by about a two dozen or so supply chain professionals who have um, a collective um, number of years of, of experience that um, creates the first ever fully comprehensive set of competencies that we can now look at and measure our own capabilities against as we seek to contribute for our companies. The model has 16 major competencies. Those company competencies are divided into 69 sub-competencies that are tailored at four different levels of, of an individual's career. It starts with the essentials level for those who are in their first few years and developing some experience. It goes on to the experienced level for those who are contributing at a higher level with a broader set of responsibility. Finally, it goes into the leadership and the executive level capabilities. So you can imagine those sub-competencies with capabilities that, is, that are um, described in each of those four levels provides a fully comprehensive review of what you're capable of doing, what your ambitions might lead you towards, and how you can actually focus your professional development. Okay, I have to ask this because Andrew, because you mentioned there were a number of people that were involved with this. If I heard correctly, 16 different people. How did you go about choosing these people to become involved in the process of, of putting this program together? Or was it, how many people first? There were about two dozen people involved in the development of so, the mastery model. Now, how did you choose these? Uh, how did you come about to choosing these people? Was it because of their various areas of expertise? Were it all? Was it all? Uh, I, I don't want to say confined to the procurement world. Like there's finance, IT, other types of elements in there. I mean, how did this group come together, and what were their backgrounds? So the group of individuals that contributed to the development of the mastery model, first of all, um, have dedicated themselves to ensuring the excellence and the influence of the supply management field. Um, so personally deeply committed to growing our industry and using that growth to influence how companies take advantage of our capabilities. Um, the, the participants in the development of the mastery model vary in age as well as background across industries um, and also on the experience level. You might be familiar with the 30 under 30 um, uh, initiative that ISM has sparked this past year. So that gives us, it allows us to tap into some of our newer, more, more um, uh, younger, uh, more modern um, practitioners who have a set of ambitions and needs that are uniquely their own. And so those um, uh, participants uh, had an influence on the mastery model, the same as someone like myself or you, John, where we have 25 plus years of experience across multiple industries and have a different perspective altogether. So a composite view allows us to have a very comprehensive set of descriptions um, that, that make up the mastery model and the, um, the, the, the various um, aspects of, of um, uh, the, the contributions that a person should make at an experienced level or a leadership level or an executive level as it relates to the different competencies. 
So I'm very proud of being a part of that group. I'm very proud that the group has diversity of thought as well as diversity of background. Um, certainly includes a lot of folks from the supply management and procurement um, area, but I know when I was contributing, I was gathering input and information from people in my sphere who have a different background, a finance background, a technology background, even a transformation background for helping to modernize companies in the way that they operate. So now, so so realistically speaking, I mean, this is, it, it, do you see this as more of a, uh, I, I guess, uh, again, I, I mentioned this at the beginning, but based upon all that feed uh, input, and especially including the millennials, the 30 under 30, and we are, of course, familiar with, with, with the program. I mean, is, is, is this, again, an extension of the core principles about which you talked about, uh, or is it radically different? Or is it the realization of something that we've known all along had to be embraced, it's just that we never had the the vehicles through which to, to, to provide that insight? Do you know what I mean, Laura? I mean, the, the things we've talked about earlier and over our 25 years, respectively, in the business, we, we've obviously noticed uh, that there are certain areas of disconnect historically with the role of procurement and the recognition of procurement within the enterprise itself. I mean, that's even changed dramatically. I mean, it, it is, is it that this is now saying we've caught up to the point where we can now practically offer this insight and this direction through a mastery program so that we can catch up and actually uh, do what we should have been doing, let's say, five, ten years ago? Do you know what I'm saying? I believe the fundamentals have always been there. For the person who is, is proactive and being able to build their professional development, the resources are there. There's just not a guide or a roadmap by which one could apply those resources for intentional improvement and gain of capabilities in the procurement and supply management industry. I believe the mastery model for the first time provides us that comprehensive roadmap that allows people to intentionally choose which competencies they need to develop and how those competencies align with the business objectives of their companies. So it provides the foundation for a very fruitful and um, purposeful conversation and creates awareness um, on a broader basis for those that we work with on what we are capable of doing and where those skills actually complement other key operations in a way that we may not have thought about before. So while it would have been great to have a mastery model 25 years ago when I started work, working. Um, I do appreciate that we now have a place that we can go and, shall we say, build a plan, a multi-year plan to aspire to become a chief procurement officer, a head of supply chain, um, and understanding which company, competencies are going to help you get there and how proficient you have to be with them in order to be able to represent yourself as fully capable of doing that job. It's a first okay, now this, for is this is an interesting point. It, 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 with with everything that you, you've you've discussed, I mean, realistically speaking, then is it's no longer that the the, the means aren't available or the guide, as you call it, has in the past. Uh, wasn't available or the roadmap. Now the mastery model provides that roadmap. Now it's up to the professional then to take advantage of it. Do you find that there is a different reaction 
uh, from a generational standpoint, do the, do, do, the, do the grizzled old veterans of the purchasing world, I'll use the description purchasing for that, uh, grasp the concept and, and are, are they adapting to this, this, this new roadmap as easily as those in the procurement world, those who chose the profession? Because uh, let's face it, and again, going back to the, the years in front of, uh, of audiences, in the past, I used to ask people, you know, how many of you chose to be in, 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 in purchasing or procurement? And if you got one or two hands of an audience of, of 100 or so, you're doing well. Nowadays, people are actually uh, proactively, as demonstrated by the 30 under 30, choosing the profession. So they would be, I, I, one would think, more inclined to look at this guidebook as, yes, we're going to embrace it. But is, is there a universal acceptance of that? Or do you find that the, the generational experience and background has an influence? I am seeing a universal acceptance, John, and in fact, I'll tell you a couple anecdotes to help support that. Although the mastery model is used in different ways from different people at different points in their career with different aspirations, they can go back to the mastery model and see themselves growing, stretching, changing, improving by utilizing the plan that they can put together with the mastery model as an anchor. So let's take the, um, the tried and true purchasing professional. What I am finding in my experience is this individual who may have been um, very successful as a practitioner for quite some time, they may be certified and they may have honed their craft very specifically to be able to provide a very um, purchasing oriented contribution to their company and there's a lot of value in what they do. I see them using the mastery model to further hone in and refine those skills. So the analytics that a purchasing professional might be interested in continuing to grow, they have the ability to look at those competencies specifically within the mastery model for continued development. Now, take the more modern, younger, 30 under 30, millennial type um, procurement professional who may be choosing this career and in the early years of their journey um, uh, for, for their profession. Um, I am finding that in those conversations, they're very eager to see the broader picture. Uh, I have a millennial who works for me who chose procurement and has been doing it now for about two years. And she is using the mastery model for her plan to be able to um, continue in her master um, studies uh, when she goes back to school. And um, so she is uh, aligning the mastery model with her coursework and she is using that to open conversations with her professors and she's seeing a great deal of connection point there as she builds the foundation that she will use for her entire career. The third way that I use the mastery model is with my peers so that they have the ability to appreciate the comprehensiveness of what we can bring to the table as we build um, strategies to, to meet the business drivers of the company. For example, I work very closely with our CFO and he did not have an understanding or an appreciation of ways in which I can help him succeed with his day-to-day -day work until he had an opportunity to see the competencies in the mastery model. So I used it as an education and awareness for him as well. It's entitled me to be able to have a greater bit of influence in how he thinks about um, 
us partnering and the sorts of things that my organization can contribute to finance. So those three examples, John, help you to see that the mastery model can can be very focused uh, for certain types of, of um, contributions that are certain types of things that people are looking to um, um, accomplish, uh, as well as um, be used to, to um, generate broader conversations and, and uh, influence in the organization. Very excited about that. Now, let me ask you this, and, and, and going back to, to the discussion, uh, and this, you, this, this, this uh, value of this. Now, we, we talked about how finance people would be taking procurement courses and things like that. With the mastering model, is it going to become a vehicle for someone in finance or IT or other parts of the organization to actually become involved in the course material to get a better understanding of, of, of the procurement world itself? Do, do you know what I mean? Does the mastery model have the potential to transcend the profession uh, and, and, and become not just influenced through the expertise or the experience that's gained by the, the, the purchasing or procurement professionals, but also by the fact of the information that it provides? Do you know what I'm saying? Again, going back to the past, finance people would take purchasing courses and, and, and uh, attend seminars. Is this the kind of material that has a ubiquity to it that would help uh, to, to engage those outside of the profession? Without a doubt. And I say that by reflecting on another example in my environment where exactly that happened. Uh, we have an individual who is responsible for enterprise risk management. And so one of the contributions to a comprehensive ERM program that any company would consider is reliance on third parties to deliver your product or service to the marketplace. The higher the reliance you have, then the higher your risk that, that is associated with the supply management or the procurement aspects of your overall operations. So I was able to um, have that conversation with our head of risk management simply because she was able to see risk as a core competency, as a contribution, as a capability that we have to be able to, to mitigate the overall enterprise risk that we have based upon those third parties. Her point of view has always been more about how we manage our operational risk internally. I was able to utilize the mastery model to open her eyes to the dependency that we have on third parties and how my team has the competencies, the expertise, the skills to be able to mitigate those risks and contribute positively to the enterprise risk management plan. Well, Laura Nichols, you know, our time is just about up. Time flies when you're having a good discussion. I want to thank you for joining us. If, if, if somebody wants to learn about the mastery model, where can they find out more information on it? The mastery model can be found on the ISM website. Um, there are a number of us that would be um, welcome to have the, the conversation, those do two dozen or so contributors. I would also suggest that you reach out to your ISM representative from your local chapter or through the, um, the global organization that resides in Tempe, Arizona. Um, there's uh, um, certainly, John, um, your, your webcasts that, uh, for this program and, and, and others that are focused on the mastery model as a source of information. So there's a number of different places that someone can go, but you should start with contacting ISM directly. Well, Laura Nichols, thank you for joining us today and sharing that information. We'll have to have you back again and check up on, on how things are progressing with this new and exciting program. 
I'm delighted to be here, John. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to share my stories. And to you, of course, listeners, thank you for sharing what is one of your most valuable assets, which is your time. Again, I want to remind you that this has been a pre-recorded interview, uh, and as such, you can uh, listen to it at your convenience on an on-demand basis. Until we come at you over the same virtual airways again, I remain your host as always, John Hansen. Bye for now. Thank you.